Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. As we gather here, we continue our Easter series called Hope. Last week, we talked about living with uncertainty, and as we live with uncertainty, you know, we wrestle, we, we deal with worry, with fear, and doubt. And in the midst of all this, we said Jesus is our one constant in this journey of life. Jesus is our one constant in the journey of life, our risen, living Savior. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this amazing day. We give you thanks and praise for the gift of Jesus, our risen Savior, and what it means that we live through and in him. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, I'll start with a question this morning as we gather here. And the question is this, do you have a nickname with a story? If so, what's your nickname? So do you have a nickname with a story? I think, I bet you most of us probably have a nickname. And there's probably a story behind that nickname. I mean, here's a number of nicknames by some famous people. One actor is known as The Wall. You want to guess who that is? You know, as you think about that, you might think it's like somebody super gigantic and big, like the refrigerator, fridge, you know, the football player. No, The Wall is the actor Keanu Reeves. Because in college, his teammates, you know, called him the wall because he was the goalie for the hockey team. I guess nothing got by Keanu Reeves. Well, another actor was known as Hammer. And you would think it's because Chris Hemsworth, you know, plays Thor in the Marvel superheroes. But this is a name, a nickname that he got way before he played Thor. is because he used to dance around and rap like MC Hammer though he said not very well. Another nickname is Pickle. And that goes to Bella Thorne when her co-star, Drew Barrymore, just, well, called her Pickle, she said, and the name stuck. Well, there's a lot of nicknames. And there's nicknames of famous people like Honest Abe. I mean, we know who Honest Abe is. You know, he carries a nickname because he was considered an honest guy. Some nicknames aren't so good. There's Ivan the Terrible. Ivan the Terrible because he slaughtered his political opponents and even destroyed an entire town, you know, because he thought they were opposing him. Or Vlad the Impaler, if you know his story, that he would take after he, this is terrible, beheaded people and then would impale their heads on these gigantic spikes to cause fear in his people. And actually, we kind of think that's probably the story behind, you know, Dracula. But, you know, those nicknames, what nicknames do you have? One of the nicknames that I have from years ago is Energizer Bunny. And so, yeah, the people here are laughing. You know, if you know me, you know, it was a number of years ago. I was with a bunch of other pastors. We were doing a, a visiting another congregation as part of leadership training. And I was driving the van, I think. And, and they're all, like, ready to call it a night. And I'm like, what are we going to do, guys? What are we going to do? And like, I'm ready to keep going. They're like, dude, we're, we're just, we're done. You're like the Energizer Bunny. And that just stuck with me. You know, always on the go, almost always full of energy. And often we get those nicknames. Sometimes, sometimes they're, you know, not the best. Often they're, they're names given to us by people who love us and care for us, and they describe, you know, part of something of who we are. Well, today in the gospel lesson, we have a guy who has a nickname. Do you know what his nickname is? Yeah, some of you said Doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas. 
doubting Thomas. You know, let's kind of get into the backstory of Thomas. This is about a week after the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus had risen from the dead. And the other disciples, you know, they were gathered there when the women who went to the tomb and the women came back and said, Jesus, alive! And the guys are like, no way. And of course, Jesus came and stood among them. Now remember, they were closed up. They were behind locked doors. They were fearful that they too might be arrested that they too might be you know, put to death like Jesus was. And when Jesus came and he showed himself to them, one guy was missing, and that was Thomas. And, and this is what Thomas says. Let's go and read John 20, 25. I refuse to believe this unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers into them, and put my hand into his side. And because of that, he has the name Doubting Thomas. That's not a name in Scripture, but it's a name that in history has been connected to his doubts. I mean, he, he is Didymus, which is Greek for the, the name twin, so he probably actually is called, hey, there's the twin, but we have given the name Doubting Thomas. Now think about that for just a moment. Have you ever felt let down by God? Ever been confused as and frustrated by the way that God chose to work? I think about Thomas. Thomas expected that Jesus was the long-expected Messiah, the promised Savior from long ago that God had finally brought into his people. And that the Messiah was going to make a difference. He was going to change things. But instead, instead Jesus was killed in the most painful and humiliating way by crucifixion. Death on a cross. And Thomas had to be thinking, you know, God, is this really the way that you're going to work? I mean, if this was really a God who loved and cared for us, you wouldn't have let Jesus end this way. And has your heart ever been broken, causing you to question God's goodness? And again, Thomas was hoping that, that Jesus was going to end the Hebrew peoples, the, the nation of Israel, their, their suffering, their oppression. They were oppressed by the Roman government. He was hoping that Jesus, again, was going to make changes and make a difference in the lives of the people. Isn't that what a fair and compassionate God would do? A fair and compassionate God would make sure that the oppressed, you know, are taken care of? Instead, instead Jesus, Jesus is suffering. Jesus is dying. Jesus is buried in a tomb. If God really cared, he wouldn't have let this happen. It's not surprising that Thomas felt this way. That, that, that Thomas wanted to believe the words that his fellow disciples were saying, that Jesus really is alive. But his hope had been shattered. His heart broken. And I, you know, and I love what the other disciples do, those who are gathered with, with him, and the men and the, and the women there, I love how they walk alongside Thomas in his doubt. Again, the term, the nickname Doubting Thomas is not something the disciples gave to him. When they were closed up, still fearful, you know, and they were excited, we have seen the Lord, you know, 
they didn't give Thomas this nickname, but rather they walked alongside of him in his doubt. That's an encouragement for us as a community of believers to walk alongside one another in doubt. So Thomas says these words, and then let's go John 20, 27. Let's read together. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus comes alongside Thomas in his doubt. And Jesus comes alongside us in our doubts. And take note of this. Take note of what Jesus does not do. Jesus does not shame Thomas. He does not condemn Thomas. But he comes alongside Thomas in his doubts. And he invites him. He invites him to go ahead, reach out, and touch me. Go ahead and reach out and be certain that I'm really alive. And you, you have to kind of put this in context. Again, Thomas had seen people raised from the dead before because Jesus had raised people from the dead before. But this was the guy who is the powerful guy, the, the Messiah who was raising Lazarus from the dead. When Thomas had at that time, before they had gone to be with Lazarus, the dead guy, and they were all like, Lord, if we go there, they're going to arrest you and kill you. And Thomas was like, let's go. Let's die with Jesus. But this guy, this powerful Jesus, was dead. How could a guy that was dead you know, come back to life? All these, these things floating around in, in Thomas's faith and his heart and life. And I think, you know, one of the ways it's really captured is in artwork. This is one of my favorite paintings by Caravaggio. Caravaggio, it's one of my favorite paintings. It's also one of the most disgusting paintings. It's kind of this narrative painting. If you look at it, this is called, technically, the incredulity of St. Thomas, which means doubting Thomas is that Jesus, you know, invites Thomas to touch him. So we kind of capture this, makes this, this gospel text come to life. So Thomas and the other disciples, you know, they're all focused in on the wounds of Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? Again, he's not shaming Thomas. He's not condemning him. But rather, rather he's guiding Thomas's finger. This is what grosses me out. His, his finger's about two digits inside that wound. Swim it around in there. I don't, just couldn't do that. I think I would just say, Jesus, I believe you. I don't have to touch it, you know. But, but that, he, that Jesus is guiding that finger inside. That Jesus is inviting him in that doubt. He said, ultimately, this is the truth. Your doubts don't define you. Your doubts don't define you. The risen Savior does. Like Thomas, we have those moments when our dreams are shattered, our hearts are broken. Like Thomas, we have questions and we struggle. And Jesus does not condemn us. He does not shame us. He invites us as a community of believers to walk alongside one another and then know that he comes alongside us and he does not define us. He does not define you in your doubts but in his resurrection. Let's read John 20, 28. And Thomas's response to this, Jesus, and my God, my Lord and my God. From here, Thomas went on to what is now, you know, India and established churches. There are churches that still use Aramaic. That's part of what Thomas spoke was Aramaic. 
you know, even today in their liturgy, in their language of worship. Stop doubting and believe. It was not a condemnation. It was not shame. But it was Jesus inviting Thomas in faith to trust in him. It was Jesus not defining Thomas by his doubts, but by his own resurrection. So when you are faced with doubts, and we all have those moments, and maybe you're faced with doubts right now, and those moments when we feel like our lives are turned upside down, when we are uncertain, when our hopes are shattered, our dreams, our heart is broken, and we're faced with those doubts, and sometimes we believe those doubts define us, they don't. The risen Savior does. And at those moments, it's so important for us to write this down. Put this on a sticky note. Put this on a piece of paper and, and make it a bookmark in your Bible. Put it somewhere where you can tweet it or share it because this is so important to know. Your doubts don't define you. The risen Savior does. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we give you thanks that like Thomas, when he doubted, and he questioned with uncertainty, that you, in faith, helped him to believe. We give you thanks, Jesus, that you did not define Thomas by his doubts, but by your own resurrection. You defined him by the power of your risen love and presence. So, Lord, on those moments when we doubt, those moments when we are uncertain, those moments that we question, we pray that we see ourselves not defined by our doubts, but by you, our risen Savior. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.